Thank you for tuning in to Avant Life's weekly podcast. We hope this message inspires you, stirs your faith, and leaves you blessed. I'm a little bit tired this morning. Not because of daylight savings like all of you, but at the Squamish campus, just so you know. Before church on Sundays, we go to the river and we do a cold dip. So, if you want to come to Squamish next week, meet me at 6.30. I'll give you the address and we can jump into the river. But you guys also have a river, Cap River. It's pretty cold. Not as cold as Squamish River, Stawamas River. <laughs> yeah, okay. You're like, I don't want to do that. You love Squamish. Yeah, Squamish is next level. Hey, but we're a part of one big family, so it is an absolute honor and privilege to be here. This is the campus I grew up in. <laughs> it's the town I grew up in as well. So it is, it's always a privilege to be here. We are, I love this graphic, continuing our series, Be Better. We are in the book of James, which is why it's called the book of James. James, here, a little recap. James is the brother of Jesus. And this letter is addressed to like a scattered group of Christians, like Jewish, born-again Christians. And in this letter, we hear James say loud and clear that following Jesus is not just about having the right belief, but the right actions from that belief, right? And so pastors, preachers, and all kinds of people, when we talk about the book of James, say that James doesn't pull punches. Have you guys heard that expression before? Yeah, yeah, you've heard it? Let me tell you something about pulling punches. I'm one of four brothers. John, George, Chris, and Matt. I'm Matt. (laughs) My brother John, he's the coolest. I'm the best looking. Chris is the funniest, hands down. (laughs) and George is the sweetest I hope they're watching right now but John he gets into something and and, and he's good he's real good he's like one of those kids gifted that way he's not a kid anymore but he's an an adult Um, and he gets into boxing and he's like Matt come here let me teach you how to box I'm like okay John (laughs) and so I square up, and he's teaching me how to, how to block, right? So he's throwing jabs. He's bam, and a couple crosses. I won't cross. Actually, here, bam, he throws that. And I'm like, this is awesome. And all of a sudden, I drop my hands. And John just goes like this. <laughs> and I'm like, John. <laughs> and I just, like, stare at John. I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> and I run to my room, and I cry. He didn't pull his punch. I don't know. It's my fault because my guard was down. But James, he he throws punches. He does not pull them. And so I'm not going to pull any punches today. (laughs) All right? Week one, let's call it round one. Just like quick recap. We heard, hey, consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. Let perseverance take its full effect so that you'll be perfect, mature, complete, lacking in nothing. James, boom. (laughs) All right, James. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. That would have been like next level for these Christians to read that amidst persecution. 
Round two, week two. Pastor Ben at the North Shore would have walked you through, hey, when you are tempted, do not say that you're being tempted by God. For God can tempt no one with evil. Furthermore, your evil desires, they come from you within your heart. Thanks, James. (laughs) Round three. Don't just be hearers of the word, deceiving yourself. Be doers of the word. Little jab. (laughs) Round four, which was last week. If you show favoritism, if you show partiality, you discriminate, you're convicted of sin and breaking the law. Boom. Thank you, James. I say to a lot of people, and I'm not leading a lots of people, but to the people I lead, I say, hey, I'm in your corner. Pastor Man and I will say, hey, we're in your corner. And like, usually the young people we're leading, they're like, oh, thanks, Pastor Matt. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. I was like, do you know what I mean when I say that? They're like, oh, what do you mean? I mean, you're in the ring, and I'm in the corner. And I'm here to give you water, I'm here to pray with you, but you got to fight. There's some battles I cannot fight for you. And so this morning, we got to put our gloves on and get in the ring. You can keep your guard up, but we're going to take some punches, okay? Because also throughout the weeks, we, were, we read that God gives good and perfect gifts. He's good. He has not changed like shifting shadows. And so if you're here right now and the world is falling apart or your world is falling apart or things have breached into your space and we're a bit overwhelmed, things are a bit out of control, changing every second, every update we get on our phone, God doesn't shift or change, right? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It does not mean that he's boring. He doesn't change. He's trustworthy yesterday, today, and forever. And can we just as a church right now, even if you do not believe, just take courage right now. Let's just find some refuge in our God that does not shift or change. He's so good. He's our king. He's our father. And the faith that we get to have in Jesus is a gift. But this gift of faith, the grace of God for everyone, comes with a commission. And it's you're committed, you're commissioned for good works. Good works. And today, we're talking about faith and action. Faith without works is dead. Here's round five of James. So you ready to get in the ring? I'm going to pray then. (laughs) Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this moment right now. Oh God, we thank you that you're alive, that you're active, that your grace is sufficient, that it doesn't only sustains us, but transforms us. And so I pray that our hearts will be soft to receive your word this morning. God, would there be real transformation as we hear your word and as we look at your character? Have your way this morning. No one is disqualified this morning. Thank you for your grace. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. If you have a Bible, go to James chapter 2, verse 14 to 26. 14 to 24. I'm going to read it all, so don't worry if you don't have it. It's actually quite a bit of scripture, so... Don't check out. Ready? What good is it, 
my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Oh, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that. And shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone? In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. You good? All right. Let's go back to the very top. Verse 14. What good is it? My brothers and sisters, that's, that's us. If someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Oh, I didn't mean to do that. Whenever I read such, this weird Scottish accent, I'm sorry, such, it's a great, yeah, it's great, such. What good is it? The form of the question that James is writing here, like how he writes it, it indicates that a negative answer is expected. What good is it? No good. That's what he's, he's saying. Can that faith save him? Again, another negative answer is expected. No. James thought it impossible that someone could genuinely have saving faith in Jesus Christ with no works. Like if you are all talk as a Christian with no works, no deeds, no actions, that's not legit. That's what James is saying. And so we've probably all heard the phrase, like, talk is cheap. Which is even better in a Brooklyn accent. Talk is cheap, eh? <laughs> talk is cheap. Right? It's easy to make big claims and have no follow-through. Right? We see this all the time. Like, maybe, maybe you know someone that makes big claims but can't follow through. Like, hey, I promise I'll be there. Buddy. But you still haven't like rocked up to a soccer game. <laughs> Maybe in a relationship. Hey, I'm sorry. It'll be different next time. That one hurts. Because all it is is talk. It's just an apology. It's just words. It hasn't been partnered with action. It's just an apology. There's no repentance. There's no turning the other direction so that what's repeating doesn't happen again. There's no system that's put, been put in place. You're just all talk. I'm sorry. It'll be different next time. Our culture feeds into like a talk is cheap mentality. It's easy just to sit behind our phones and go make big claims, criticize, call out, but make no action in your own life. And so, of course, what is so easy for us all to fall into, right, if you're honest, I've fallen privy to all those. <laughs> Of course it can find its way into our faith. 
we can become really good at talking. And if you've been around the church long enough or any culture, you're going to pick up the language, right? That's just, that's just the nature of it. But if we just learn how to talk a big game about faith, we're just all knowledge, yet no action, no fruit, no deed. Not only is that really unhelpful to the body of Christ, it doesn't build us up. It just puffs us up. First Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 says, Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. What's love? Most likely, if you're talking kingdom, it's that stuff put into action. That's what builds up the body of Christ. And what can happen is we can actually create vulnerable spots in the body where there should be strength. And where we were meant to run a race of endurance, we're just sprinters. We burn out, we crash. The kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. So not only is it unhelpful just to be all talk to ourselves as the church, which is a big deal, but those who do not share our faith, they come into your life or our life. I'll say our life, so it's not as personal. Our life, when we're just all talk. They look at us and they go, oh man, you guys are all talk too. <laughs> I really need something that works. <laughs> How terrifying is that? You know what I find scary? How unavoidably influential you are to the people around you. You want to know how valuable you are? Want to know one of the ways? It costs others so much when you don't walk in the way that God's called you to. There's how you can see some of your value. It's easy to talk and make claims without any action. That's why when I'm leading people or getting to know people, honestly, I'd rather get to know them outside of a Sunday. I love Sundays. Nothing wrong with Sundays. I just want to get to know you like on a Tuesday and like get a coffee with you, see how you speak to your spouse or your children, not because I'm holding out a microscope, but because that's relationship. That's actually doing life together. That's when iron sharpens iron. That's when we get to, to see how we're really doing. Jesus taught, tested, refined his disciples more outside the synagogue than in the synagogue. He taught the kingdom, but he commissioned them into action. The gospels are incredible. There are amazing things that happen in there. And so James asked the question, what good is that? Wow, we're still in the first verse. What good is that? The answer is that's not good for anything. He then illustrates how pointless faith without actions can be. Verse 15 to 17. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, be well fed, but has nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Imagine that someone in our community comes starving, naked. The first thing we're thinking, maybe not you, but the first thing some of us are thinking is, man, how did they get to North Van? <laughs> did they take a bus? I wonder if they did. And instead of, hey, maybe we could lend a hand, maybe we could have some compassion on that person, we could avoid it, or we could just pray secretly for them. James is saying that doesn't make any sense. 
Christian. Or maybe today at church. When the service ends, we'll ignore some people. Or we'll fill the conversation with blessings. God's good. Isn't it incredible what he's doing here? And it is. Awesome. Yeah, I'm going to go get a coffee. I don't, want you to, don't say anything about your life, though. I don't want to know how it could be part of that solution. Let's just fill it. Let's puff it up. There is this crowd. I mean, like, really big crowd. Probably like, probably like 10,000 people. This is a true story. And um, the crowd is approaching Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus leans over to, to Philip, one of his disciples, and he's like, Philip, how are we going to get enough bread to feed these people? And Philip's like, 200 denarii wouldn't feed these people even a little bit. In the scripture, of, in the gospel of John, it says Jesus says this to test him because he knows what he's going to do. And it's incredible if you've read the story, Jesus feeds these people miraculously. But he meets the physical needs of these people. He doesn't go, hey, Philip, you're right, let's go. Let's, you know what, let's just encourage them instead. The encouragement of the 10,000. <laughs> he meets the physical needs miraculously. And if you continue to read the scripture, a day later, they have sailed across the lake. This same crowd comes to go to Jesus. And Jesus says, oh, Hey, very truly, I tell you, you're not here to seek me. You're here because you ate your fill of the loaves. Don't eat for food that spoils. Eat what gives you eternal life. He makes the famous claim, I'm the bread of life. Come to me. And he meets the spiritual need to this crowd. Both are important, right? We can't, like, both are important. He meets the needs of both. And in the same way that words without actions profited the needy person nothing, our faith without action will profit us nothing. James says that kind of faith is totally dead. Flatline. It's not good for anything. It's like a, a car with no gas in it. Not because they're so high right now. Like it looks great. Got some cool features, but you can't go anywhere. You're just a mall car. Just a Tesla in Park Royal. Sad. Can't go anywhere. You're just, you're just there. <laughs> what if some of us, what if some of us are stuck in the same season of life over and over again because we lack the action? We call it a season of waiting on God, but a few layers deeper is, is laziness and inaction, a dead faith. So as they're reading this, some people might have raised some concerns, and it's important that we address it, even if you know it. Because you can hear the statement, faith without works is dead, and maybe get confused when you read other verses in the New Testament. So in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9, the Apostle Paul says, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We are saved by grace, not from works. Paul's saying, don't think for a moment that you can earn your way to God. 
James isn't saying that we are saved by works. He's saying that actions and works are the proof, they're the evidence of our faith. That's how we see if it's genuine. It's the complete package. And no faith in Jesus is defective. It comes with that, infused in it. So something's going on. Paul was talking to people who were trying to obtain favor from God by their good works. And he says, that's futile. James is talking to people who were sitting around and only talking about their faith and says, that's totally futile as well. Imagine if Jesus just talked about the kingdom with no action. We wouldn't have a savior. Then James starts to get real cheeky, if you haven't thought he was already. Verse 18, he says, hey, but someone will say, I love that. I, mean, I just wish I could have, I guess, seen James write this, because he would have been writing it and then been like, oh, but someone will say, he's just covering all the ground. Someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. <laughs> faith and deeds are not personalities. It's not like one's an introvert, one's an extrovert. It's like, hey, let's get all the faith people this side and all the deeds people to this side. And the faith people are like super deep and just like talking about the things of God, which is beautiful. And the deeds people are like, let's just get it done with like a single tear coming down their face. <laughs> like, yo, whoa, 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 whoa. These things aren't wrong. They're just incomplete. Faith and action, action and faith, faith and deeds, deeds and faith. It's a whole package. They're a gift from God. Genuine faith will bring works and deeds. And so the question every follower of Jesus in this room needs to ask themselves right now, do my actions make a real statement about what I believe in the Lord God Almighty? Because the other thing is, Jesus never asked us just to believe in him. So why would we think that'd be enough? Don't just believe in me. Follow me. Model your life after me. And don't follow at a distance so you can't see. Oh, I can't see what he's doing anymore. Ah, out of sight, out of mind. Don't follow at a distance so you can't hear him. We got to draw near to God. He is near. He is present. That's why it's a relationship. It'll always be a relationship. There's no version of Christianity without a relationship with Jesus and with each other. You're falling at a distance? This is lukewarm faith. He's going to spit you out. Man, this is a hard scripture to read. <laughs> this is what James says about this, those that just believe. And I would call this a body shot. Boom. <laughs> Verse 19. You believe there's one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You believe there's one God? Slow clap. Good job. Very good. Here's your gold star. You have the same beliefs as demons, except the demons have one step up on you. They're actually doing something with their faith. They shudder in complete terror as they should. 
What's the difference, James is saying, between a demon and those who believe in God? Action. Even the demons believe in God, but they've refused to come under his authority, his leadership, and be transformed. And we're ultimately no different if our faith does not produce new actions. That's terrifying. Worship team, you can come back up with me. Faith is not mere intellectual acceptance of a theological position. It involves the whole person and it expresses itself outwardly in a changed life. I have, when Amanda and I talk to people, just in general, just say, when we talk to people, um, a question that comes up is, hey, how did you know that God called you to Squamish? It's a fair question. And we have answers to tell the, these people. And they're like, what are your key scriptures? What are you, come on, like, what, are you, what is it anchored in? I'm like, there's a few. <laughs> but for us, at one point, one of, the, one of the biggest things for Amanda and I, we looked at each other, we said, hey, crying, oh man, what's the point of our faith if we don't go? What's the point of our prayers? What's the point of saying, God, use me, send me? What's the point if we, if we don't go? I don't even know why it's emotional right now. Maybe it's your declaration, whatever that is in your life. What's the point? I'm not saying be reckless. We weren't. We had counsel. We had prayer. We had circumstances that lined up with a lot of things, right? We sought God as maturely as we could, but we honestly had, we didn't know what was on the other side. We still don't know. How long is Squamish? I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. We're just going to be obedient and what we believe God has called out in us and what our faith produces in us. It's going to look different for everyone, but we all have some things. Faith will always provide an opportunity. All right, just a few more minutes. We good? James brings incredible wisdom and encouragement in the examples that he gives of this principle. Faith without works is dead. And so let's just put ourselves in the Jewish mindset for a second because the way he closes this in these last few verses, he brings up Abraham and Rahab, right? So the Jewish mind would have went, wait a minute. I know Abraham. I know Rahab. All right, James, let's go. Let's go. Let me read it again. Oh, it's savage again. You foolish person. <laughs> Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that, this, that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, not by faith alone. Abraham, Abraham's the father of faith. But this father of faith had lots of challenges. 
You know what's crazy? So Abraham believed God and God credited it to him as righteousness in Genesis 15. He offers up Isaac in Genesis 22 or 21. Do you know how long it is between Genesis 15 and offering up Isaac? Where he's established that he has belief in God, that he has faith. When was the action put in place? It's like 20 to 25 years. Which in like, I guess he lived pretty long, so maybe it's like 5, 10 years. Like in, in our time, in our, you know what I mean? I'm getting excited. <laughs> Abraham made some really, really big mistakes in between this though. He took matters into his own hands. He put himself and his family in danger. I'm like, whoa, he's, he's a good example of faith and works? When you like read his whole life, not just the highlights? Rahab? An Egyptian? And can we drop prostitute, by the way? It's been a long time. No, we can't. James, instructed by the Holy Spirit, says you write this in. It's important. Abraham received, believed, but did not act on his faith in the completion for 20 years. And then a prostitute who's working as a prostitute, Rahab, hides the spies in Jericho right away. She's like, come on, go, go, go. Rahab acts on her deeds even before she confesses her belief to them. Because moments later, she's like, I know that your God is God. I know that your God set the captives free. That's your God. Of course I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put this faith right now into action. And actually in, in holy fear of your God. Incredible declaration. Both of them considered righteous because of their faith and action. So why does James bring these two examples? He does this to show that everyone in between the upstanding Abraham and Rahab the prostitute is required to demonstrate the genuineness of their faith through actions. So no matter where you might be on this hypothetical spectrum, nobody is exempt We cannot create a scenario now where faith and deeds, faith and action does not apply to us. It does not exist. There's a pastor named Tim Keller and he has this thought. He says, hey, when our faith does not produce works, when we don't live out our faith in action, what we're really saying is that we don't trust who God says he is. We don't trust the promises of God. Are you in the room right now and just like totally like hate yourself? Maybe you don't trust the love of God. And so your faith is hidden. It's private. It's untested. It's incomplete. You need to trust the love of God through the work of Jesus Christ. And so... My hope and prayer is as we go back into worship is that the Holy Spirit would pour out the love of God into your heart. 
Do you not trust his wisdom? And so your life, you're in control of everything. Your actions actually are not from a place of faith. They're from fear. You don't trust the wisdom of our God. Or maybe we're, we're just bitter and upset at the world. Maybe we don't trust the justice of God. When we say that we don't trust God, we're saying, hey, like when we live our life without action, we're saying, hey, God, we don't trust that God himself is better than anything we could possibly get by disobeying or inaction. Because deep down, the thought is if I trust God, if I live out my faith in action, I'm going to miss out. I'm going to miss out on the world. Lastly, James in verse 26, he's just like, let's just keep going. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. When someone's soul or spirit leaves them, we know they're really gone. In the same way, our faith, if it has no actions, it's dead. It's kind of heavy. But when we talk about faith and works, I want to be clear, we're not talking about a staunch, like legalistic vision of following Jesus. Not like putting everyone's life under a microscope. What the scripture is challenging us is that genuine faith will produce the fruit of love in your life. Action, what Jesus did. Over time, as we mature, as you grow in your faith, we become more like Jesus, right? That's the goal. There's a pastor, John Mark Comer. He has three things, which are, I, I like him. He says, hey, Christian life, let's organize it around these three things. Being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, doing what Jesus did. And if we're actually following Jesus, we're going to get to that third goal, that third goal. It'll happen. It's a natural result. It's a beautiful thing. It's infused in our faith in Jesus because the Holy Spirit dwells within you and he'll work powerfully through you. So imagine we are a community that's just not satisfied with giving God lip service. We're just being puffed up, but we're a community that builds each other up. And you're in the room right now, so this is for you. But I'm telling you, we, like the church has been saying this since the beginning. What if we lived out our faith in action? Well, we're going to say it again. What if we are the generation? What if we are the people hearing me right now and those online? What if we lived out our faith? How do you know if your faith is alive? Well, is there evidence? How encouraging, though, to read things about, like, Abraham, where it's like, oh, man, it took the guy 20 years. I don't think that you should take that as a license to take 20 years to act out your faith. That's why we have the scriptures. We have heroes of the faith that have gone before us so that we don't have to make the same mistakes. So let's just be encouraged, hey? Wherever you're at on that spectrum, we're all on there. 
Let's just make one step. And so I think as a church, as we go back into worship, we put our faith into action by worshiping. We go to the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. It's crucial. But he sustains us. He transforms us. He guides us. He's also the pioneer and perfecter of our actions. (laughs) Our God is really good. Super merciful. And he's patient. He's ready. Are you ready to have your faith be put into action, to live it out? Is the fear of God in you right now? There's a psalm, Psalm 103. It says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love for those that fear him. It's a good thing. Do you feel weighed down by sin? As far as east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions against us. As a father has compassion on his child, so does the father have compassion on those who fear him. His love is from everlasting to everlasting. That love is sown into you if you call on the name of Jesus. That seed that's planted is imperishable. It continues on and on and on. Can we, can we stand? Let's worship. And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to just do a work in our hearts. Put your faith into action right now. Just you and God. Lean into him and worship him. And let's just let God do what he does. Sound good? Let's worship. We hope you enjoyed this message. We would love you to subscribe to our weekly podcast. Other ways you can connect with Avant Life is through YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. Or check out our website at avantlifechurch.com.